When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got nards. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And tonight, I'm so excited to introduce one of our very special, most favorite guests. Ooh. Hey, thank you. Thank you. The special guest. I like that. Oh, yeah. You've, you've definitely elevated to special guest. Ooh. I, well, well, thank you so much, Ghouls. I'm digging. I'm digging to be part of the group now. And uh, with these lists of uh, films, it's only going to get weirder from here on out. I'm digging it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal, after all. And tonight we are getting a little weird. We're getting a little weird. On my suggestion, of course, we're getting weird. Yeah. Well, that makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to take a little journey through the career of one Miss Feruza Bulk. Mm. And by take a journey, I mean, like, go from A to B and then be done. There's on our journey. But you know what? We only do about an hour long for the podcast, so <laughs> we, need to, we need to keep it in check. So tonight we are going to be talking about Return to Oz, mm -hmm. and The Craft. Yep, and um, we're going to start off with 1985's very dark Disney classic. Fuck yeah, classic. <laughs> classic to like VHS home video, straight to home video classic, I might add. Oh, it went straight to home video? So good. I it had to. I'm, you know what, I'm literally spitballing that one. Like, just looking at the effects. It was back when, like, Disney was, like, broke. They weren't rich yet. They were still, like, passing by, you know? Like... <laughs> Yeah, this was Black Cauldron days, right? Mm -hmm. This is early. This is mid '80s, so I think it's yeah. Black Cauldron days. Like Escape to Witch Mountain days. Mm -hmm. yeah. crazy. This is when <laughs> Disney got weird for a while. Yes. There was oh some, my god. Uh, that were some dark days. I am one. I, I'm all for it. This is a movie. Now I know the two of you just said, Zach, you just watched it for the first time today, like this yes. podcast. And Riss, exactly. you've seen it, but tried to block out most memories of it from childhood. <laughs> And now this is a movie that I rented constantly. Like I would go in the backyard and play like Return to Oz in my backyard and like crawl under the deck and like pick like next door. My aunt and uncle had uh, grapevines up over a trellis. So that would be like my quote unquote lunch pail tree. And like, yeah, I totally pretended to play Return to Oz in my backyard. Man, shit was weird for you when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. This was a frequent watch. Like, I have such nostalgic love for this movie. Oh, so, man. this was Feruza Bulk's debut. Um, the next year, however, she would go on to do a little flick I like to call Otherware Switch. <laughs> now that's a treasure of a movie. Um, but yeah, like apparently, and Jackie, you should wax on about this. This is very faithful to the actual books, right? It is, it is pretty faithful. It's a combination of book two and three in the Oz series. It's a combination of the Land of Oz or the Marvelous Land of Oz and book number three, which is Ozma of Oz. 
Now it's mostly. Did he run out of ideas? He was like, What's the third book? I, uh, Dorothy of Oz. The other wizard. No, Oz? that's the third. <laughs> the other, other Oz. <laughs> uh, but no, so yeah, mostly it, most of the material comes from Ozma of Oz. Uh, they do kind of pick a little bit with Land of Oz, like a couple characters. There's a character, well, the character of Mombi. She is partly the witch Mombi from Land of Oz and partly Princess Languadier from Ozma of Oz. They combine those two characters to make one for the movie. I have decided I have a new goal in life. Guys, jot this down real quick. I'm going to make a fantasy series along the lines of Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or what have you, just so I can make up names. Like, I'm going to be like, Shkamashkaba. <laughs> How much fun would that be? Or just something basic like Harold Osworth. Wait a minute. That's still Oz. Just uh, dumb, but British sound. Like, hello, I'm Harold Osworth, and I'm the Duke of fuck. I don't know. It just, right? just make it up. Like, the Duke of... The Duke of... <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, the Duke yeah. of fuck. <laughs> I know, the Duke of fucking... Uh, I juggle for my part-time job. Or yeah, like, call it. I don't the names of, of like fantasy creatures is something I think I'm born to do, you guys. Like I think a I'm lot of alcohol to... and a lot of other things for <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure that as a writer, that's something that you can do. It doesn't have to be like a pretend thing. Okay, that's well, Shish Mabob is gonna be my hero. <laughs> <laughs> or can Shucky Darns be the villain? <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> or the sidekick Ned. And Ned will come through to be the unsung hero. Um, So, okay. I think we're ready for a... Hit us with a synopsis, bro. Okay. So... By the way, we only have an hour, so... (laughs) So we are once again reunited with our main character, Dorothy. Who's magically gotten 10 years younger. That was my problem. It's like, Dorothy is supposed to be like like a 17, going on 30-year-old looking alcoholic. Just the way I like my my female protagonist. This, this is what I'm saying. Like, 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 wow. Good thing this wasn't made now, or else it would have broke, like, broken Harvey Weinstein's heart. This is horrible. But yeah, the age backwards, which like Matthew McConaughey says, you know, the older I get, they say the same age, and this is true for this film. I couldn't stop thinking about. <laughs> True words have never been spoken. I'm sorry. Continue. 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 Yeah, you wonder why my synopses are an hour long. <laughs> so yeah, so we we meet up again with Dorothy in this not official sequel. They do say that this is not supposed to be when technically. Did they say that? No, well, like I mean, like the makers of the movie, they're saying That's that like technically, this isn't supposed to be a sequel. It's just the continuation of the book. Anyway, so. Basically, the, uh, who is it, uh, fucking Uncle Henry and Annie M think that Dorothy's crazy. So do you know how you cure crazy in 1899? Electroshock therapy. That's right, with a whole bunch of electricity. Wait, you don't do that anymore? That's how I cure crazy. <laughs> Technically, they can still do it. Yes, fun yeah, fact. It, it, is, it is still done. But yeah, so they take her to get electric shock therapy, but some mysterious girl rescues Dorothy right before it happens. And then she is magically floated to Oz, where some shit has gone down, and things are a little bit different than they used to be. Yeah, and, and really, it has turned into a land of nightmares and like metal and stone. It's awesome. Namely, stone. And, and, and moose heads. The moose heads, stone, half couches. It looks like a freaking thrift shop in, in that <laughs> film. I like, well, like, first off, first off, the whole thing, because be, be, before you go on, Jackie. 
spoiler alert, unspoiler alert, because if you're listening to this, you're an idiot if you haven't seen it yet. Secondly, <laughs> what's with the chicken, man? Like, <laughs> you go from a, a little blonde chicken to a chicken. Oh, what, you would, what you would think Toto would have been the obvious choice there. I but thought no. Toto was in the movie. No, Toto was in it for a hot five seconds. Yeah, he's in the very beginning and the very end. No, they go for a talking chicken. It's in the book. It's not like the movie made a choice to just make something magical. This is, Belinda is in the book. Well, before we even jump to Oz, I want to say that I, I like the way they set up the characters in the real world before they get to Oz. So you can see who's going to match up to who. But it was so dark looking too, especially like the actual like beginning of the film. I mean, you know, it's not a sequel to Wizard of Oz, but the whole point is, you know, um, in Wizard of Oz, it's it's like, you know, not black and white, but you know, it has that like brown dust bowl looking like feature into this bright, beautiful world. And here we get very dark looking Antonioni, like circus 70s cinema style. And then it goes into basic, not really that colorful when we get to the breakdown of Oz. I don't know. I, I wanted to see two like visions, but... You know, again, it's not a sequel to the movie. I get it. It's a book, whatever. <laughs> um, so my big ish here is also like, granted, if my kid woke up one day and was like, Mom, I went to ads. It's real. I'd be like, you, you loony bird. And I'd check her underwear drawer for marijuana. But <laughs> with that being said, I feel like they go a little far by being like, I'm going to leave you here at this loony bin where they are clearly doing nefarious shit. And at the end, what pisses me off is that she's okay with it. She's like, I forgive you for electroshock therapy being me, Auntie M. I'd have been like, you, Dyfus is coming for your ass. Like, I would have invented Dyfus just for that. <laughs> That's how much not okay I was with that. I wouldn't leave my kid at a... Dude, it's 1899. That was horrible back then. They were doing way worse shit in 1969. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, like 1869, when you sent your kid over to like the, you know, like electroshock therapist, it was like, you know, sending your kid off, you know, to like summer camp. It was normal. <laughs> All the kids were doing it. That's <laughs> back then, are you going to be a, be like, be a, be a, be a writer? No. Uh, well, then you're freaking crazy. Then go over there. Are we sure we don't want to bring this back? It's actually starting to sound kind of appealing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so after she escapes the evil uh, doctor and the evil nurse who are going to shock her and almost drowns in a river, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> she, she goes off to Oz where she meets a tin man who's not the tin man. Mm -hmm. Important Round distinction. Tin Round yeah. tin man. Yeah, the, the, the tin man of substance, if you will. <laughs> exactly. Very distinguished tin man, whereas the tin man from the 1930s movie was very like elitist lumberjack, you know, like a hipster. This one was like, you know, like your substitute tea teacher back in the day. Very weird looking. Oh, true story. And like, I picture him with like a monocle and like, like, yeah. Oh, so this, yes. this is, this is TikTok, my favorite character, y'all. <laughs> and, but there's so many good ones to choose from. Yeah, really? I hate so much. There are so many. You're just, like I said, you have no imagination and, and you're just a bad person. Yep, you that's like all true. <laughs> <laughs> no, TikTok, he's, he's my, he's my steampunk soldier. I love him. I do. I, TikTok he's not steampunk. The wheelies are, but he's not. Oh, he. Oh, no. TikTok, oh my god. TikTok is definitely, is definitely steampunk. He's the clockwork soldier. All right. Okay. He, he is the clockwork soldier. He's the army of Oz, mm -hmm. which makes no sense to the rest of us. Like I'm glad you're into that because that mythology was lost on me. Especially where it's like we're gonna go to war and fight. 
you and like you see TikTok like give a salute. It's like yeah, like what? What? What are a you sad a sad little man? Right. I just thought he was deluded. <laughs> I thought it was a joke, but no, apparently, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really was a soldier. Yeah, no, he really was a soldier. And and we mentioned before the wheelers. Probably hands down one of the most scary and fucked up thing in this whole movie. So the Wrong. wheelers I no, I'm gonna no? interrupt you there. No, when they came up, I laughed because all I could think of was this. This is what I could think of. Our budget isn't that high to get the flying monkeys back. So we're just gonna put them instead of flying, they're gonna be wheeling around, but they still have like the dreads and stuff, they have like the masks. It reminded me of like like you want to be the Wizard of Oz in a stage play, but you can't afford it, so you put them on wheels. That was that. I, I don't disagree with you. However, watching this with my kids, that was the moment where they were like, uh, mommy? And I was like, do we need to turn it off? Are you okay? Are you okay? And they were both like, and then Molly literally was just like, I don't like those guys. And then I remembered how much I hated them too as a kid. They were creepy. So talking about some of the cast of characters that are with Dorothy. You want to talk about Jack? Oh, I sure do. Jack Pumpkinhead. The Pumpkin King. Oh, wait, excuse me. Oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> Quiet, you want to get sued? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I have a few questions. Okay. What is he? Like, how did he come to life? Really? She burned them? What? <laughs> you, did you even pay attention to the movie? I, I paid lots of attention. Then how do you not know how Jack even, came to be? I was even sober. They talked about how Jack came to be in the movie. I know they did, but it didn't make sense to me. Which part? That he All was, of it. Ozma, <laughs> Ozma built Jack to scare Mombi. Right. Which is stupid. Okay. <laughs> Very sound argument. <laughs> All right. So, so, so I don't, wait, what, is, what is confusing? My big ish is that he calls Dorothy mom. I find that to be weird and creepy for a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I see. To me, that's... Okay, so is it weird and creepy that your kids call me Aunt Jackie? No. That's a little different. You're not a pumpkin. <laughs> that you know of. Okay, because if they met you out in the streets... Don't push me. Don't get, don't get physical. <laughs> if they met you out in the streets and you were like, hey, little child, I'll take you home. And they were like, thanks, mom. You wouldn't think that was creepy? Bullshit. You'd be the first one to be like, don't call me mom. I'm not your mother. But that's not what happened. That is not happening. She gets thrown into a, like a, she's thrown into the tower with where Jack already is. Like, they're both these kidnapped people. Yeah, he was, he was like, hey, you know, did you build me? Are you my mom? And she's like, no, I'm not. Then and the conversation should have ended there. You know what? It really surprised you're such a turn because in any other episode, you're supposed to be the kid with the biggest heart and you're the mom that's and you're supposed you're the one that's supposed to give a fuck. I'm the one that's not supposed to give a fuck. Because it wasn't clear. As you said, doesn't she <laughs> What was it? I don't I don't agree. I think it is crystal clear that he is just he's a lost living pumpkin man. Okay, but if a little child I have a heart of gold, first of all. But second of all, if I find a small child, regardless of the situation we're in, pumpkin or human, and they start being like, mom, I'm going to be like, oh, honey, I'm not your mom. <laughs> like, repeatedly. Get that through your head. I think I'm lost. Wasn't the chicken his mom? <laughs> <laughs> There's a moment where I literally thought that was the chicken. <laughs> that would have made that movie so much better. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Chicken having, you know, pumpkin babies, like... Hey, wonderful Wizard of Oz, man. Let's do it. You know? The chicken crossed the pumpkin patch. 
<laughs> to find his fucking mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh, she's <laughs> She's mad. She's mad we're breaking up. All right, back uh, to the beauty of your movie. So I, I have a theme I think I extracted. Okay. Since you're accusing me of not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. The theme here is that the real horrors are in the real world. Wow. Deep. Boom. <laughs> you could end the episode. That's all right. <laughs> Trust me, I Credits want roll. to. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, she brushed the pumpkin's hair, which I thought was weird. I mean, it is pretty messy. Like mine right now. Okay. <laughs> But there's just one part, or actually, there's there's a couple of parts uh, in this movie. I think this is like my biggest note that I have about this film is that there are this constant line keeps on being said where Dorothy still goes, "I don't remember blah 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 or this person or that thing," and I feel like everybody watching that movie back in the late '80s and early '90s are saying the exact same fucking thing. Like, I don't remember this character from Wizard of Oz. I don't remember (laughs) like early stage meta, but also like, why should I care? <laughs> We're getting in trouble. I'm getting dirty looks over here. <laughs> I'm getting the worst look. But she's like, I don't remember a pumpkin. I don't remember wheelies. Errs, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun as wheelies. But, but then at the end though, we got to talk about the pauses, which at first the whole rock king creature thingy was a little laughable at times, but then it got darker and then Suddenly, the rock hand was put on her head, like there. On her boob, I mean. Yeah, the Weinstein, I'm telling you, that's <laughs> creepy shit, man. <laughs> it works. <laughs> I, um, I think we're really skipping the real hero of the movie, though. The moose head. Oh, that's right. Like, where did, why did he take this journey with them? What was his arc? He didn't really have a choice. Because he was connected to the couch? Yeah, they built him to escape. So, it's so like, he didn't really have a choice. But... One could argue. <laughs> You're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> this is the way she's just because he had no choice. He was on the couch. It's like you know, do I want to watch freaking that movie that like my wife wants to watch? No, I'm just stuck on the couch. I'm here for the I'm not gonna move. <laughs> they willingly attached him to the couch, correct? Yeah, they were trying to escape. But why would they be like, well, we're going to fly away on this couch, so let's throw a moose head on there. That'll make this... I'm not... I'm, I feel like I need to explain, like, biology to you to answer that question. Biology moose head couch. <laughs> I love you, Jackie. Can we watch this together? I need, like, a pop-up video when I watch this again, please. <laughs> Does a couch have a head? They needed to. Are we in Oz right now? The Pope shit in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) They needed to. They their whole thing was they needed to escape. So they solved the gump head. So they figured they could make a creature by putting things together and then sprinkling it with the powder of life and flying out of there. I miss. I would say most of that. I, maybe I need to pay better attention. <laughs> maybe they, because but how else? Like if you have a couch that you're going to bring to life, life powder. Yeah, like I can bring anything to life. 
Yes. Why do I have to make it look like an animal? Well, the whole entire point is that, that if you have a couch life. and you bring a couch to life mm-hmm. and you tell the couch, hey, couch, I, fly me out of here. <laughs> it, it can't hear you because it doesn't have ears. It can't speak. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're right. Electroshock therapy's kicking it for Jackie. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but my daughter is writing about a talking couch with a moose head on it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love I loved you so much. Oh. Let's talk more about how wonderful this film is. You don't have to like it. You just can't ask asinine questions that are explained in the movie. I don't not like the movie. I think it's a fun movie. It's just, it's so ridiculous. I wish I was a little drunk when watching it. Maybe I would have understood it more. Like, so many, so Mommy's definitely scurry when she takes her heads off. Which is, oh yeah, that is definitely the best part, honestly, like. For sure. Like the facts, because that is part of the novel too, which is what I studied while watching the movie. But yeah, like the multiple heads and it's like the body walking, like that would creep me out. And it's actually well done for, for, for the time too, so. Agreed. Yes. I thought that was a really strong scene. Yes. Hell yeah. I'm definitely trying to get good back in your good graces. <laughs> I will say anything is a good scene right now if you stop giving me that look. <laughs> My George Clooney smile. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, two things. Yeah, no, I do. I agree with you. That scene when Dorothy is going to steal the life powder and all the heads are sleeping and she's got to creep in and open the... Yeah. That's See, that's the thing. I personally think like this movie, like regardless of the ridiculous plot, that you know, we can't blame it on the film. We have to blame it on the author because it's like pretty much everything we've talked about is straight out of the book. So L. Frank has some issues, mm-hmm. you know. But I personally think that this movie is shot really well. Like I think yeah. that the cinematography of it and the imagery is really, really done well for being 1985. I mean, granted, it's Disney. So regardless if they're in like their good slump or bad slump, they got Disney money behind them. So. But- but like it didn't feel like a Disney movie, which is what I liked about it, though. It really, oh, yeah. it, it, it like really reminded me actually of like a Jim Henson movie. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. It really like Dark Crystal, like you, you can double feature Labyrinth, that. yeah. Labyrinth too, like triple feature that, like which is what I like. Also, another good thing is the director. I again, I read this in passing. Thank you, IMDb. Um, is uh, is whole um, the uh, producer of the Star Wars prequels, uh, Rick McCallum, I believe his name is, met George Lucas on the set because he was actually working on the movie, and then that's where they became besties, and you know had a few drinks, and you know Moose Couch meet Jar Jar Binks. It makes sense now. I love it. <laughs> so there you go. You're right. It is simple biology. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I've got uh, two, two more things that, that I have as far as my notes. One, I haven't looked through the entire uh, credits, but this is Disney in 1985. And I really feel like Tim Burton was working at Disney at the time because I know he worked at Disney in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I can't help but feel like somewhere in the back this, that there's like some Burton elements. Like if they were going to remake this movie... He would, oh, have God, to, yeah. he would have to do it. So I feel like what probably happened was he was sitting at his desk and he was like doodling and by the seat he was like, oh, this is Halloween. And some <laughs> douche from the like other department came by and looked at it. It was like, light bulb. <laughs> and that's how I like to imagine that that went down, Jackie. <laughs> the other thing I have to say that yes, obviously this is a Disney movie. So all I have to say is 
Her name is Princess Mombi. So where is her Barbie doll? Okay, she's a Disney princess. She's a Disney princess. That's a great point. You know, we need that <laughs> Disney California, if anything. I can't wait. I mean, I think the, I think the, the biggest thing uh, that if you don't have, like, the nostalgic love like I have, I, also, like, if you've never read the book. Like, this is one thing. And I don't think you have to read the book, mm-hmm. but I think it definitely it definitely helps to be more familiar. Because, yeah, like, the first time you watch it, when it's like, oh, the deadly desert, like, She's like, oh, I remember it last time when we flew over it. It's like, no. And like, who's TikTok? And why is Scarecrow the king? And like, in the book, it explains like, there's like, basically like the four corners of Oz. And like, the Tin Man is king or emperor of one of them. And the Scarecrow is king of uh, uh, king of the Emerald City. So like, there's a lot of stuff that if you haven't read the book, like, it, it does kind of make no sense of like, where are all the characters who the hell, you know, who's Jack? What's a gump? Like, who the fuck's the gnome king? It doesn't make any sense. I googled it. Gump is not a real word. Oh, like, really? That. It's the, yeah, it's the last name of a delightful young man named Forrest, but it's wow. not. It's not an actual animal. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that a lot of listeners are probably going to be surprised at our lack of, like, gushing for this one. I feel like I should, for all intents and purposes, love this movie. I just, I think I didn't watch it enough as a kid because it scared the pantalones off of me. So full disclosure, I'm yeah. just a giant wuss. Yeah, like, and like I said, and this is one that like I'll go toe to toe with anyone that tries to tell me it's not horror. Because like to me, this is on level. Oh, it's horrific. Yeah, oh, no, like, no, to no, me, I give this you that. Is, give this that. is on level with like family horror. Like to me, this is, I'm not saying on level as is, it's as good as, but I mean in the sense of like, Beetlejuice and Gremlins, like the family friendly, like this is like a horror starter. This is horror light. But I will absolutely say that, like, this this is horror to me. Oh, oh no, I agree. But it came out in 1985, so you're up against, like, you know, The Goonies and Back to the Future and all these great hits. So it's like, you know, hopefully they get up on VHS, which is why it scared you as a kid, you know, up on Saturday night in October. But, yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I agree. I'm definitely going to give it a second watch because Amazon gives me 48-hour rental. <laughs> I will not. No, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I did not love it. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I know it's not for everybody. It's just, it's fun for once for me to give you a hard time because I feel like usually you give me a little bit of a hard time on stuff. So it's fun for me to be able to turn the tables a little bit. Oh, I absolutely feel like I'm giving you a hard time still. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel, no, okay, I feel like I'm able to dish it this time more so than other times. Yeah, because normally I'm just like, well, from anywhere, okay. Yeah, but this one, hard. I am coming hard. Good, I like I it. I told you, I'm on, I'm, I'm perfectly fine being alone on this island. It's kind of <laughs> like a roles change with, like, you guys. Like, Jackie's all serious with it, and Marissa, you're, like, like cracking up in the corner. It's kind of like, it's like, Marissa's going up on like a little like a tribe issue about like the oppression of women in this John Carpenter movie and James Woods and blah 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 and like Jack's in the corner like boobs. See we found what I'm passionate about. I like about. it. I like this switch. Weird, weird 80s powder of life. <laughs> powder of life. Gumps. Gumps and pumpkin heads and TikTok. Oh. I'm a little steampunk soldier. I'm just glad you found something. <laughs> <laughs> Proud of you. Um, so now let's move on to our next entry in the Feruza Bulk catalog. Where's um, Feruza? Which is, uh, to me, 
a really great movie, and I totally own that. It's just because I have all kinds of nostalgia. Because in 1996, I wanted to be the fifth in their Wicked Club. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to talk about The Craft. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of notes with this one, man. This one is hitting up right there for like that mid-90s alternative movie. You can throw this in with like Empire Records, any Polly Shore movie like Biodome. Like this was part of that like, like, like weekend afternoon where it led to night. The craft was always on. I loved it. Yeah, I actually have the note that not unlike Empire Records, this movie shaped my style. Like, there was definitely a period where I was like, I'm going to wear this black skirt with these black leggings and my black Mary Janes and, you know, really, really heavy eyeliner. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> um, I, I ca- so, okay, so first fun fact. I have a lot of fun facts for the craft. Oh, we got first, a lot of these. <laughs> first fun fact is that Feruza Bulk is now a full-fledged Wiccan in real life. Yeah, during, the, during, during the film or like now? No, like she, the filming of the movie inspired her and now she oh, literally yeah. sells like Wiccan things on her website. And like, wow. So let's not talk too badly about her because I don't want to voodoo on me. <laughs> I, mean, I have nothing bad to say about her. She seems pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, um, like in real life, like she seems pretty cute. And I would agree that there is something incredibly like, for me also, I was definitely inspired by this film and it was like one of those like super empowering movies that like I knew I watched way too often and I like definitely emulated these characters. Um, <laughs> and Zach, I, I, you should cover your ears because here it comes. I also Please. think it's an incredibly powerful feminist statement, this film. Oh, I, I agree with you there, actually. I think it's more powerful feminist movie uh, than the ones that they like shove out today because Again, I'm not a fan of modern feminism because I think modern feminism is very uh, corporate. It's, uh, it is used to sell things. Whereas back then with the craft, it's very movement where it's about sisterhood. It wasn't about attacking people. It was actually finding, finding your inner self within a group and like within yourself as a woman. And that's why the craft really hits it on each character. And that's why I think it's actually one of the great, if not top five feminist movies of all time. And it should be if it's not. Yeah, I would. <clears throat> nowadays, they, they just want to sell those crazy broads and tampons with their crazy <laughs> feminism. But back then, we had a movement. Oh, yeah. Why is a feather stiff as a board? Women were saying that. And I mean, men were saying the stiff as a board part when watching them do it. But hey, that's something else. <laughs> that's know, I, another time. I took issue with that in the movie because they said. The girl says, have you ever played light as a feather, stiff as the board? And these supposed teenagers are like, no, what's that? We've never played it. Who the fuck has never played light as a feather, stiff as a board? Seriously? I have never played that to this day. But did you know what it was? Like in high school, did you know what? What? No, dude. It's that crazy New York water. What are you doing? (laughs) See, like that blew my mind. Like that was a staple at all of our sleepovers was light as a feather, stiff as a board, playing with the Ouija board. Like we did that at every sleepover. We did like the Ouija board and Bloody Mary and all that crap, but we never did like this Really? Until this movie. When this movie came out, honestly, we did it. Blows my mind, of course. Yeah. No, yeah. blows my mind. We always did that. So what you're saying is we're going to do it when we hang up. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We're going to try Lettuce and Feathers to the support. I can't wait. We're going to do that. You know what? No, because we need more than just you and me. So at Pop, Rock, and Horror, we're going to play Lettuce That's actually what I was going to say. Yeah, I could see Katie joining in with that and everything. So they actually had a real Dianic Elder Priestess Wiccan expert on site. Her name was Pat Devon, and she literally insisted that they make up a fake god, Mano, 
so that they wouldn't actually make any accidental witchcraft on site. And she literally like, so Dianic Wicca is a neo-pagan religion, which is basically female centered. And the theory is that only women should be, should be uh, worshiped. If not, might be a little, you know, sexist, but she kind of led them through all of these very realistic rituals and kind of made it more authentic. But again, she refused to let them use any real gods because she was skirted, which is fair. Yeah, no, I get that. And you also don't want to accidentally, like you don't want to like come off as like making fun or offend of like an actual, I mean, because I think a lot of people, at least in 1996, to them like Wicca, it, that's, it's not a religion. It's witchcraft. You're worshiping the devil. Like it's not a known you know, to, you know, suburban kids, at least for me, yeah. like, it's not, it's not a no religion. Like, you know, I never, I don't think I've even heard the word Wicca or Wiccan until this movie came out. Like it was just witchcraft and witches worship the devil and, you know, black okay. mass and a whole nine. Oh, oh yeah. Which actually makes a lot of sense because watching the film, I'm like, this is so funny that, you know, like the God that they're uh, praising, it's a male God. And my whole time I'm thinking to myself, is it like, it, it's a woman God. Like it has to be because Wicca is very feminine when it comes to like mother nature and mother earth and everything like that. So it, it kind of threw me for a loop. And then once I read that too, I'm like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So I, I think this film doesn't necessarily need a whole lot of like synopsis. I think sufficient to say that a group of girls come together, form a little, you know, uh, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? Coven. Thank you. And then uh, hilarity ensues. <laughs> yeah, hilarity ensues. I would say my, one of my all-time favorite moments is at the very end where they're like, hey, girl, want to hang out sometime? Like, nah, bitches, you literally tried to kill me. You yeah, like, not even 12 hours ago. Let's <laughs> not pretend we're friends here. Like, they've got some pair at the end of that movie to come over and be like, hey, girl, want to hang out? Like, nah. I do not want to hang out with you. So good for her for making Thunder hit them or whatever she does. I could have swore through, like, like the end of the movie, like, there was the scenes where, like, like she would have her come up with, like, the other two. So I, I literally, from my remembrance of the movie, I remembered uh, Nev Campbell being, like, in, like, the locker room and, like, her burns appeared back, you know? And then, like, the other girl's, like, in the shower with her hair coming out. But apparently that never happened, and it's so weird in my mind that I thought that was the ending where, like, she strikes back at them. I could have swore that was the real ending. So that's crazy to me. So I just wanted to throw that unnecessary fact out there. <laughs> no, it is one of the scenes that sticks out, though. I, mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things that sticks out to me is also uh, mid to late 90s long hair Brecken Meyer making an appearance in this movie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely adore. Between yeah. this, between Clueless... Love, love Breckenmeyer. Yeah, he's a 90s treasure. He is a 90s oh, yeah. treasure. It's you know like he got expelled from the Clueless High School and came to this one. <laughs> to be LA. even more of a bigger douche. Right? <laughs> um, so, Skeet is hot, for sure. Ooh, no. Really? No. You know, that hair? Yeah, uh, no. Potter and Scream. Gotta let, let, let that shit yeah. go. Yeah. Let that grow out. Thank you. Like, yeah, no. He, he looks, you know, wearing a turtleneck, he looks like a broken condom. Like, it's just, it's no. It's no. Not at all. <laughs> Using that one. <laughs> Let's put him on the list of people not to sell this podcast to. But no, but, you know, again, the same year in 1996, Scream comes out. And yeah, that hair, that, that 90s boy with the part in it, that is okay. such a weakness for me. I'm trying to get Chad to pull that one off, but I don't think he's going to go for it. <laughs> Take a lot of time and a lot of shampoo with that one. I wish him the best growing up. <laughs> yeah, so like Skeet Ulrich. I love his name. Skeet Ulrich. Just Skeet. 
That's all you need to know. And Nev Campbell, boom here, and then scream a couple of months later, like, wow, what a treasure with that one. That one, like, threw me through a loop. But not as... Yeah, exactly. Same year, and you got dual movies. But you know what? Let's let the cat out of the bag. Let's talk about that 90s soundtrack, especially the first two songs that are, like, covers, which I think are great. Uh, You start off with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, very, like, 90s grunge with that one. And then there was a weird 90s cover of uh, The Smiths, mm-hmm. which didn't make sense to me because you can't get more emo than Morrissey singing, sadly. So that was weird. But man, just the soundtrack was top-notch 90s cinema, which my favorite. Oh my God, yeah. There's so many good songs on this soundtrack. This is another one that like really shaped what I listened to back then. Like I pretty much fell in love with Letters to Cleo because of this soundtrack. Really? Yeah, so for me, two of my favorite bands, albeit... One hit wonders ish. Tripping Daisy and Space Hog are still like I have some of their records, and I like I am an Elastic Firecracker is one of my <laughs> favorites. I love that one. Also, the song by Matthew Sweet. I have such oh, I love Matthew Sweet so much. Is he's so wonderful, and I forgot that he was on the soundtrack. And when we were watching the movie and the scene where they're coming onto the beach, I was like, oh, I know that voice. I know that voice. Yeah, it's a really solid Nike soundtrack. There's, you'd be hard-pressed to find a song on that album that is a pretty solid. Even the Smiths cover, and I have to be honest, I'm not a fan of covering the Smiths, and I, I can tolerate it. So, oh, that's, yeah. you know, like, that's the best you'll get out of me when it comes to covering Morrissey, but yeah. it's not terrible. There are a lot of worse Morrissey covers out there in the world, I should <laughs> Yes, there are. But also, um, what I love about this film too uh going back to like the whole uh you know like the whole women empowerment stuff which is weird because uh the director's um his next movie was uh the movie dick with uh, michelle williams and kirsten dunce about you know the two girls and richard nixon and that was a very like feminine movies like of like the 70s so it felt almost like that witchcraftness but pretty much just using their you know feminine skills back in the 70s to get tricky dick and I loved that those were the same, that the director had that same kind of like wit and banter that pretty much started with the craft and just kept on going throughout his, his uh, career. So I really liked the way that uh, he rolled with that one. So that's like another little plug for the director. Yeah, his name is Andrew Fleming. And I, I agree with you. I think he did a really good job of creating a very feminine space in both of those movies, I would argue. Like I really enjoy both of those. And I think that he's, he knows how to empower his female protagonists, which I am all about. The other thing I thought was cool about this movie is that there's a lot of layers of like symbolism and like, like for example, the snake is a motif in the film and I looked it up, <laughs> did a little research. And it turns out that um, in Wiccan uh, culture or religion, I guess, the snake represents feminine energy. Um, basically it's like, the theory is that like we all have an inner snake and we wake it up when we become feminist and aware of our own power. And as the Wicca Wiccan goes through their journey, their inner snake comes to life. So I think it's very apt that he's chasing her with the snake and being like, I have something to tell you. I have something to tell you. I think he, that character is like foreshadowing the fact that she is ultimately a powerful witch. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. when they all, you know, there's nothing but snakes in her house. What does that mean? That she finally becomes her own powerful witch and it isn't, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. our other girl doing it because it was her the entire time, which I <laughs> I missed that point the first time I saw it. It's like, why don't you ever work? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. When the new girl comes to town, their powers suddenly work. Hmm, I wonder why. Wow. 
younger boy Zach did not get that. <laughs> um, the other thing I like, and this might be a moment where we all uh, take a breath here, is I like that it is the patriarchal bullshit of the shithead teenage boys that mm. drives her ultimately to discover her power. Um, I think that it's a very apt look at how many women learn how to be empowered in life, unfortunately. Um, I think that sometimes it takes a douchey person to awaken your inner demon, whether male, female, try to be nice, Zach. But no matter no, 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 who no. you are. Um, <laughs> I think that I like that each of them has like this handicap that is given to them by the patriarchal society. So for like Bonnie, her handicap is the scars. Nobody looks at her or takes her seriously or wants her because she's got all these scars. And for, um, for what's her face or it's, you know, the main girl, Sarah, Sarah. Yeah. It's, it's being rejected by this boy. And then for Nancy, it's being lower uh, class and being poor that are like her driving things. But each of these women are driven by something that is oppressive to them. And that's what gives them their power. Also hashtag what's up with this really bad racism. <laughs> Jesus. She Wait, which like, part? <laughs> when, when the girl with the, with the swim girls, like, I don't like Negroids. Like, whoa, that That's escalated it. quickly. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, you don't have to say it. You could thank it, but good lord, it was yeah, offensive. She, she did not sugarcoat it. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for like for the other girls, there's like some symbolic oppression. But in Versus. her case is literal <laughs> oh racist oppression. But like what is uh, funny about the whole like empowerment thingy though, which is what I like is um the differences where uh, with uh, Sarah, she wanted to be chased after by Skeet, you know, like he, wa- you know, she wanted him to want her, which again, I feel like is very, you know, using the word patriarchal where it's like, we must, you know, like, you know, do it for the guys, but it's still over with the guy. And then again, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, with uh, Bonnie and then uh, Rochelle, it's all about their looks. They're outside. They're outside. Whereas with our girl, Perusa. It's all about her status, about her. It's not about outside coming in. She doesn't care about the guy. She doesn't care about this. She actually cares about who she is and actually wants to fix inner, her inner self, which I thought was really interesting to me where, you know, maybe that's looked at as a villain. I don't know, but I thought that the whole part where these three girls were just wanting a power to entrance men, whether it's by views you know, or anything like that, she was all about, I want to be a better person. I want to be the best at everything, which I personally like. Yeah, no, I think you make a really good point, dude. I think it's really interesting, and I think it's also where they go wrong. I don't think their sin in this film or the mistake they make is being Wiccan or even empowering themselves. I think you're right. I think the problem is is that they're not doing it for the right reasons. They're all, like, abusing the power or chasing something that they shouldn't be chasing, and that's why shit goes down. Like, can we just for a second acknowledge how rapey and creepy love spells are? Oh dear God, yes. Especially the whole scene where she like pretends to be freaking um, Robin Tunney, you know? Like, oh yeah, that is yeah, when Nancy pretends to be Sarah. Awkward because that was that was a little male rape. I'm gonna say it. He no, was that's fair. Rape. It was weird to watch. It was so like hey, both chicks are hot, but just it felt like he was drunk. He's like, oh, like that. So it's like the usual suspect, which is like usually it's the other way around, especially with high school guys and college guys, it's the other way around. So seeing it like this reverse in the film, it was pretty creepy. It was, it was, it was totally jarring. Like, and also like, does he, he's basically trying to rape her in that one part, right? 
But what makes that complicated is that it's not that it's not his fault. Obviously, it's always the male's fault, but like he is absolutely under a spell. You know what I mean? Like he is not thinking straight. And so when she does it to him, it makes it even more uncomfortable. That's actually one of my favorite lines is when he goes to her house in the middle of the night and he's talking to her. And she's like, it's three in the morning. You got to go. And her dad comes out with the flashlight and he's like, you know, like, can I help you? And he literally just looks at him blankly and he's like, nobody can help me. Because he knows that, like, that, you know, it's even though he's under the spell, he knows that something is not right. Like he said, he can't eat, he can't sleep, he can't do anything but think about her. And she's such a powerful witch that he's just, he's entranced. So, yeah, no, I totally get that. That it's like, it's like, yes, it's his fault for trying to rape her. But at the same time, it's not his fault. Like, she, she put him in this predicament. She cast a spell. She, for all intents and purposes, she put a curse on him. You know, like, cursed him with this intense love. So, yeah, he goes crazy. Also, if there's one place I'm not going to steal from, it's a fucking witch's shop. Like, really? Like, (laughs) that that bitch is straight up a witch. You are going to steal her shit? Of course she knows what's going on. Like, that that woman is a very interesting character. It makes me sad that she just magically disappears, never to be heard of again. Yeah, I mean, I think they needed some sort of motherly figure for Sarah. Mm. So, I mean, I get it, but yeah, I, I feel like, mm. <laughs> you know. So, Zach, the other note I have that fits perfectly to what you were just saying about how they all pursued the patriarchy things that they're trying to avoid in life is that we absolutely become what we hate. Like, of course they go after the things that society won't give them. Like they are rejected by the patriarchy. So it makes perfect sense to me that their next level of victimization would be to try to become the things they are rejected of. You know what I mean? Like, yes, the girl who gets rejected because of her skin color is going to want the other girls to be outwardly ugly. And the girl who gets, you know, rejected because she has deformities wants that taken away. Like, and what I think you're right about Nancy, it's something about her that really, I, to me, she is a very likable villain because I'm like, you go, girl. I think she's just a little greedy about it. Like, she gets, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like. Because it's, you know, because it's like, for every powerful character from like old Rome to now, whether it's fictional or real, it's always that phrase, absolute power, you know, corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's much what it is. She was like, you feel for her, but you see her gross trailer park trash life. So you are there. You want her to get out of there. And then her, and then the, like, like the spirit stepdad dies and her and her mom have a great life and then they move and then, that's just now she's getting a little bit too much too fast and now it's she wants it all and that's where your favorite character just takes that little turn and boom yeah. done villain road you know you either die a villain wait die a hero you live long enough to see yourself become the villain that is boom exhibit a with Vance right there oh right. totally my my note on that situation and maybe i'm just jaded because I live in New Jersey, and New Jersey is very expensive. And Marissa's showing me she has the same note. They are awarded $175,000 in insurance. And you would act like, you would think they got the million. Seriously, right? they acted like that. I'm like, okay, that's like that's a nice chunk. I'm not going to turn it yeah. down. But that ain't millions. Like, that really doesn't even buy you that great of a house in New Jersey. Like, Jersey's expensive. You're looking at a house in about that range, and it ain't nothing to write home about. Sister. Right? Yeah, like, you get this... High-rise apartment, they get this couch and the- a and fucking the, jukebox. The jukebox, Connie Francis only record the whole night. That like, alone would be 175000 Really? Yeah. You know, like- the like only like, furniture? Well, and you know what? It doesn't have a gump head, though. That's the real <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, granted, it's 1996. 
So, you know, it might be a little different, but they live in LA. So I'm assuming that LA has always been expensive. Oh, yeah. So always has been. And also to my East coast friends, it does not rain that much in LA. That is the <laughs> most bullshit of watching that movie. I kept on looking at Kitty. I'm like, when has it ever rained this much in LA? <laughs> Never. So that was a little bit weird. Because I, the whole time it was raining, like, oh, okay, they're in Seattle. And it's like, no, well, it's like L.A. private school. I'm like, well, fuck me, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, I, I hate how quickly the good, wicked intentions turn very superficial. But then I had to remember that me at age 17 would have done the same fucking thing. Because they start and they're like, I want to, you know, give me the power to not hate others as, I, as they hate me. And, and then the other one's like, uh, give me the power to love myself inside and out. And like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, go girl. And then all of a sudden it's like, make my crush love me. And I was like, uh. And then I was like, time out for adventure. Punch it, in, punch it to 88 in my DeLorean. That is absolutely what 17-year-old me would have done. I would have <laughs> definitely been like, oh, make that boy who rejected me want me so bad. Like, I can't judge. I want to judge because right. it's not very feminist to have these these uh, goals, but fuck it, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think this. I don't know if I don't know if I want to say that they've done a good job tackling issues, but they at least bring to light the issues that a lot of teenagers go through with like suicide and peer pressure and like acceptance among your friends. Or even like, you know, it's, it's, it's the age old, you know, if all your friends jump off the bridge, are you going to jump too? Which clearly like with Nancy being like the leader, Bonnie and Rochelle are going to do whatever she says, including trying to kill Sarah, you yeah, know? I was always a yes, I'm going to jump if all my friends do. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Like I am a follower. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing in that, in that vein is, man, that ending scene is still creepy. Oh gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it really, like when they come at her in the dream and then from that moment on that like just total roller coaster to the climax is is effective even this many years later. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, well, like nothing scares, you know, 90s teenage girls than, you know, walk into your bathroom and there's rats and snakes and bugs all over your toilet and bathtub. I get it. You know, the little suburban girls like, oh my God, that's the scariest thing ever. And while I'm just, you know, worried about friggin' Nancy with the knives and just attacks her it's kind of hot kind of scary i don't know <laughs> like, like trying to stab uh, like a stormtrooper trying to shoot uh, you you miss the point either way but you're right there man it looks cool but didn't work wrong like again i know it was shot for the trailer but still I, like well, no, <laughs> I thought i i had read that the reason she's on top of her with the knife and not able to hit her is because the binding spell that Sarah started to cast on her was already taking effect. Ooh, I just got schooled yet again. See, I told you, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that femme to realize that again. No, I can't, I can't claim that I picked that up on my own. That was, thank you, IMDB. No, like, that so. was a way better point. My comment was going to be, was it me or did Nancy get hotter the crazier she got? Like, I was like, I was like, I'm into it. Still into it. All the way up until, like, I think that character is just so empowered. And there's something incredibly, like, I always was attracted to that. Her, not like a weird, you know. But like, you know, in a way that like, I was like, I of all these people would want to be her. And that's weird, but okay, I'm okay with it. Because like, I like that she was very aggressive. Like, it's so rare to see truly assertive on the brink of bitchy, aggressive women represented in any film. 
So it's always refreshing when you get a girl who's kind of a bitch because it's like, we're always taught we're not supposed to be. And I was into the way Nancy was like, when there was like, stop being so mean. I'm like, nah, girl, get it. Those people treat you like shit. Fuck it. You know? So I kind of was into it. And I was into her as a character. And even when she looked crazy, she was still crazy. Oh, yeah. My favorite, my favorite Nancy line is when they get off the bus and the bus driver says, watch out for the weirdos. And she's like, we are the weirdos, mister. I'm like, fuck yeah, we are. I love, That's who we are. I love when the little girls with blonde hair and pigtails is like staring at her and she's like, <laughs> like makes a face at her because I'm like, yeah, burst that bubble, bro. Like, like it's good for that little girl. It's such a great juxtaposition of like what happens when we get jaded and we realize the world is, is out to get us. So there's this feminist theory that says that every woman goes through this kind of like arc where we start out in pigtails and totally okay with the gender stereotypes and stratification that gets put on us, right? So the little girl on the bus is a perfect example. Then we get to a point where something happens in the patriarchy and we kind of realize that the patriarchy is not our friend and it's out to get us. And that's when we hit like our rebellion stage. And I think this movie captures that moment really well where you kind of start realizing, fuck, society is not on my side on a mass scale. Obviously people individually are, you know, ideas individually are, but we still live in a patriarchy. And this movie, I think, captures that that fucking moment of realization really well. Because we may not realize that's what's happening in our teen years, but this theory, at least, will say that that's what's going on. And when you come out the other side, you come out with an identity that is very fully aware and able to combat that in a more healthy way. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Uh, really? No, no, I agree. But I, but I don't call it the patriarchy. I call it uh, a culture. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yeah i'm not gonna you know put a gender on it because they just do it to make money they're gonna tell you you need to look like this dress dress like this get a guy that looks like this you know and i can live with that yeah oh yeah so like because of that so like yeah so i want to have you know like this like unburned skin so i could be accepted and my hair to be a little bit better and you know yeah i'm black and i want to dive because apparently all the guys in la like chick divers i guess i don't know but whatever let's go with <laughs> that's what they tell us you know? <laughs> but like you know a little sexist is gonna cut in right here but uh it broke my heart where nancy was like you know if i can you know fix one thing about myself that'd be my fat ass my fat girl no don't fix that that's the best <laughs> part man with the booty and then like and and then like what's her face she like you know turns her hair blonde like no go back to the no way. Okay, and that's been my sex a second. No, I agree with both of those. Same as that. You know yeah. us over here at Jersey Girls. Yeah. We're all about a good TNA talk. Yeah, Zach's, Zach's sexist corner. The new, the new feature oh, of the whole episode. You're welcome. Do you hear uh, Nev Campbell? Nev Campbell's boobs are off point, though, when she finally busts them out. When she's Her like, boobs were huge yeah. in this movie. Where did they yeah. go, like, literally eight months later and scream? Agreed. That, what the fuck? Something wrong there. Something does not happen. That was total stuff. Or unless she, yeah, whatever. Well, good for her. She puts a few tissues in there. That's no reason. (laughs) Call the Wonder Bra for a reason. I know we got so much notes, but I got to tell you uh, that whole car scene where um, she actually has the car hit the homeless guy. That was a rough scene. That was like where, you know, like like the stakes, right? That came in early in the movie. And that's when, you know, shit was real for a PG. Wait, no, it was a rated R movie, right? Yeah. I feel like it's PG-13, right? It's rated R. It's an R. Yeah, they only rated it an R, they said, because it was marketed to teenagers. 
They said that in in any other capacity, this was not an R movie. There's no real nudity. There's very little bad language. It's literally just that really jarring run over scene and the end. Exactly, because that was pretty grab. Because you actually see the shot of him being ran over by like the actual tire. Like so, I kind of like flinch a little bit. Like, man, there we go. That's what I want to see in my movie. (laughs) There's no blood in this movie either, right? Very little. There, I know when they do their little, like, yeah, now there's, there's no like blood in the sense of like, oh, you see something. Like when they do the, uh, oh, yeah. true, true. Because she cuts her wrist when they do the little bloodletting into the wine, but it's very little. Like it's, it's very minimal blood. Also, nothing skeeves me more than when people put blood in mixed blood and or drink blood. Like you could show me twenty five thousand disgusting scenes, but I'm like, <laughs> when I watch them drink that wine. True story. True story. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's such a little like OCD thing of mine. Where she has her dream moment where like all the girls are out together. It's it it, it was very Lost Boysy, you know, mm-hmm. where like all like the Lost Boys are trying to get like Michael. How are the worms, Michael? You know, and it's like the whole time it's like, how are the snakes, Sarah? It's like because they're all over the place. Which again, there's so many snakes there all over the window and everything like that. So yeah, it's kind of proof. This is your moment. Do you become the weak little girl? Or do you become the woman that breaks through, becomes the powerful Wiccan? I loved yeah, it. Me too. That, um, was, that was our hero rising right there. I did, I did also, it. the mind F of making her think that the plane crashed was next level to me. Dude, like, that always got me as a kid because my too. parents always traveled. And that was like the worst thing that you can think of. Like, oh, fuck, I'm going to turn on TV one day. That's yeah, a, that's a mind F right there. Yeah. yeah. Anything else we want to talk about? I, the only thing I want to touch on is just that we had the unique, not that we saw them in person, but at Monster Mania in Cherry right. Hill in March, for the first time since the movie was made, we had all four girls together at a convention. Yeah, because apparently we, like the horror community would often leave out, uh, what's her name? Rachel, Rachel True. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty effed up, and it's pretty effed up with the other characters to have been okay with that for as long as they were. If I may be judgy for yeah, I mean, like part of me understands that, like honestly, I didn't know her name was Rachel True until all of this, you know, kind of controversy was happening, and she started popping up in the news and what have you. And I will say that, like on some level, I can't name another movie she's in. So for me, like. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm totally messing with you. Half baked, man. Every guy knows. Yeah, that's the only. I was just going to say. I haven't seen that one. Mary Jane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where, like, like, on one side, you can say, like, you know, is is she going to bring people in? Like, they they book these people who are very popular to bring people in. But on the other hand, like on the other side of the coin. If you're getting some of the craft, why the fuck would you not get all of them? Right. Like, it doesn't make sense. Hey, but you, you got to give it to her, though, man, because she was the oldest one. She was 30 when that movie was filming. 30. And she pulls off team. Yeah, she looks yeah, hot. Look for her being hot, man. Yeah, like, no, but I was super excited. It was really exciting that, like, it was cool that they stepped up and had all four women at the same time nice. at the convention. It was, it, was, it was really cool to see. Like I said, I personally... Like, I don't do the whole celebrity photo thing, but I've seen people post stuff online. Apparently, like, one of the, like, celebrity, like, E or whatever, even had a segment on it about how for the first time in, you know, 20-some-odd years, they were all together. Yeah, and it's it's kind of nice. And I agree with you. Like, I am super excited for the Pop Rock and Horror Convention that we're all going to be at because oh, – 
Um, I am super stoked at the idea of getting literally almost the entire cast of Return of the Living Dead. Like, I actually might shell out the cash for it. Yeah. And they just recently announced that one of the other minor characters, oh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, my God, it's what's his face from fucking uh, Friday the 13th? Yes, it and is. Joanna yeah. 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 And Joanna Man. Yeah, exactly. And Joanna Man. He's the dude from Joanna Man. If he's there, I'm going to lose my shit. No, he's there. He's there. Well, then you know what? I have to sing with him because over at Monster Palooza, I sang with uh, Andreas Jones, Anything, Anything. So that means I got to sing with my boy from Friday the 13th, be like the shitter song, which is like Miguel Nunez. Ooh, baby. That's my song, but I'm taking a shit. Oh my God, yes, can we? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, no. I tell you what, they're having karaoke one of the nights, and I. Oh, we're doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I didn't realize he's been in as much as he as he has been. But yeah, like you tell me, oh, the guy who plays Spider is going to be there. I'm like, okay. You tell me I can get his picture with everyone else in the cast. I'm kind of fucking stoked. So I see what you're saying. Like it definitely helps to get a big group together. Just to give a little plug to the Pop Rock and Horror Festival, um, they are going so far out of their way to make sure this is all about the fans. They are making all. Uh, celebrity signings and photos really cheap and accessible. They are like treating all of us podcasters and vendors like gold. I am so beyond pumped to be part of this weekend. We are literally going to be like mingling with these celebrities at like karaoke and at a bonfire. Yeah. Zach's going to start a band with Spider. It's going to get so real. Cocaine and Billy Zane debuts. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. We have to perfect that drink. And like have it be a specialty <laughs> drink. Yeah. So yeah. So we're super excited. Like I said, we're going to be there, and Zach is going to be there. Um, Scott and Matt from Horror Movie Night is going to be there. Obviously, Katie with Humorous and Mise on Screen will be represented. So yeah. it's the Pop Rock and Horror Convention. It's going to be in Gettysburg at the Eisenhower Hotel, May thirty first, June first, and June second. Um, you can find more information on our Facebook page. You can go to Pop Rock and that's the letter N horror.com for information. Tickets are still available. We got uh, a message on the Pop Rock and Horror Facebook group last week that basically said like with a lot of conventions, they have VIP stuff. And if you get a VIP pass, you can do all these extra things. Well, the guys running Pop Rock and Horror said, you know what? Um, we're all VIPs. So let's have a big bonfire. And they're actually going to have some of the celebrities there that are doing signings come hang out at the bonfire. There's, yeah, there's karaoke one night. Like, I am so excited to not go to sleep for the whole weekend and just <laughs> party with everybody. Um, yeah, so, so Zach, thank you so much. We are so stoked to have you on as a more permanent kind of guest. Um, we are absolutely thrilled with what you bring to our Jersey Ghouls that will table here. Yeah, I'm all fam. We love you. Yeah. I, I love you ladies so much. Thank you for having me part of this group now and uh, and also for the people who are listening. Thank you for listening actually and also Lene Quigley, whoever knows her I hope you're listening. I have your workout tapes on VHS. Yes. Nice. You do wonders. <laughs> <laughs> he just showed off the guns. You can't yeah. see it. Oh, some have guns. I'm going to fan myself now. <laughs> <laughs> I never know that. No, that's a lie. I've had those big, strong arms hug me. I, I, I knew they were there. I knew they were there. Oh, I, yes. <laughs> so we hope you guys have enjoyed our little bulk mini filmography episode. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls and you will find us. Just search Jersey Ghouls on your favorite podcast app to listen. And on jerseyghouls.com, you will find our podcast, our blog, our movie reviews, and a whole lot more. You shut your mouth.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 